when people are like, what's content marketing? I'm like, I'm not the brightest person. So I'll say it the way I internalize it, which is very simply, it's the marketing of content. How do we get content out in the world? B2B Content Strategist is the podcast where you'll hear actionable advice and strategic guidance from content marketing leaders. I'm Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X, and I sit down with leading B2B marketers to discuss how they overcome challenges with limited time and resources and execute winning campaigns time after time. If you want to improve and streamline your content marketing, keep listening. Hello and welcome to B2B Content Strategist Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, the founder of Content 10X. And in this episode, I speak to Katie Ryan O'Connor, who is the VP of Content at Okta. Okta is an identity and access management company, and her team is focused on expanding the conversation around cloud-based identity, and of course, creating great content for Okta and furthering its reach. In this conversation, Katie and I discuss taking bigger content bets, making them something that can be produced 12 times a year instead of twice a year, and her plans to grow into that without burning people out in her team. We also discuss the tools she uses in order to scale content and why she isn't worried that AI will replace us content marketers. We also talk about being a vocal advocate for awareness marketing, how your people are more important than the tools you use and why Okta's annual conference is the perfect setting for a great reality TV show. Yep, it's a great conversation, so let's dive in. Katie, welcome to B2B Content Strategist. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here. I am excited for this conversation as well. So yeah, thank you for making the time to speak to me. I really appreciate it. So to get started, Katie, in summary, could you tell us about Okta and about your role there? Yeah, absolutely. So Okta is the world's leading identity company. And our goal is to ensure that anyone anywhere can use any technology safely. So to bring it into real life, um, if you have logged into work today and you've used one password to get to all of your apps, the average person um, has about 200 apps at work, which is kind of unbelievable to think about. Um, and I could talk a little bit about how I know that number. It's 211 to be exact, uh, some content marketing behind that. But um, people uh, know Okta perhaps because they used one login at work to access 200 plus apps. So it really, when you think about the time that you would save context switching between what's my Salesforce login? How do I log into Slack? Now I have to use Zoom, Figma, all the tools of the trade that we use every day. Okta allows you to do that with one sign-in and to do it safely and securely. And then on the consumer side, we use apps every day. I think the average person uses digital media about 13 hours a day. So Okta also does on the consumer side, um, the uh, safety and security in terms of how you're using those consumer apps as well. Brilliant. Awesome. Yeah. And um, and in terms of your role, so you are VP of content at Okta. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. And it's such a great job. First of all, it's a great company, but it's also, and they're not paying me to say that, it's really an incredible time to be at the company because we're growing so quickly. And to be the head of just a super talented content marketing team is a real joy. 
So we're focused on telling the story of Okta and really celebrating the accomplishments of our customers who are using this technology to achieve their goals every single day. So there's just endless opportunities to tell great stories. There's a lot of really needy business problems to solve, which gets me personally excited. Um, there's a lot of global scaling that has to happen. Uh, you know, companies are these dynamic organizations and and where you are today, is, it's certainly not where you want to stay. So um, I think content marketing, it, it just keeps getting more interesting to me. And I've been in the business really on the content marketing side since 2009, basically. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, actually. So I saw that previous to Okta, you were at Slack for four years or so. That must have been super interesting, being at Slack at the time when we moved into the virtual working world in the pandemic and stuff. That must have been quite something. I'm sure Slack didn't have a a user issue or anything. If anything, I'm sure it, it must have just boomed, right? Like March, April, May 2020. That Was it pretty interesting to be involved in? Absolutely. I, I would say that it's not like we didn't have any speed bumps at all. I think it's just normal. But what was interesting is I think a lot of our speed bumps were on like the more personal side. I'm a mother of three. So there was a lot of um, school issues, um, teen mental health issues, you know, uh, are something that I'm particularly, uh, you know, passionate about having three teenagers um, at home. And that was what we were grappling with. What was amazing is that our work actually was pretty seamless. So imagine if you already have a culture of collaboration, documentation, a way in which you communicate with your team that is asynchronous. If you already have those um, touch points and collaboration uh, tools available to you, everyone scattering and not being co-located in the same place, it, it was seamless for us. And frankly, seamless for a lot of our customers. So I think that was really exciting. It was like, we were drinking our own Kool-Aid in the company. Using Slack at Slack is a different experience than using Slack at another company. Uh, So so we knew that that this was an occasion we would rise to. But seeing then other people kind of get that, oh, I get Slack now. I get why it's so important. Um, was really exciting. It really was. Yeah. Too bad it was like just a, a horrible time for society, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Slack, you know, Slack kept businesses going. We were, yeah. were and still are Slack users through and through. And, and we, um, you see, we were able to seamlessly transition to everything that happened because we were already using Slack and, you know, communicating all the time. So um, obviously, you, you've said that you have a, a great team and it sounds like there's lots of things things that you're doing that I'd love to dig into. But what, yeah. what does your team look like, your content team there, Okta? Yeah, so broadly speaking, we have writers, we have editors, and we have content marketing managers and social media managers. And that is a kind of a typical lineup that I have. So I come from a journalism background. So a lot of the ways that I approach content are really influenced by that in terms of the type of content that I like to tackle, how we tell those stories, and frankly, the speed at which we tell those stories, I think is something that I'm particularly passionate about. So I do like to have people on my team who are really uh, kind of roll up roll up their sleeves and get into the content. So I do not view us as 
kind of broad program managers or strategists like outsourcing that content. I really feel that you should have an internal team of writers and editors who live and breathe your brand voice and at any moment are really producing and putting their mark on that content. Because otherwise, and not that agencies are bad at all, but I think that if that's kind of the only tool you have to get content out, you do risk a sort of like genericized one size fits all. Is this how you write for me or is this how you write for all your client. I don't know. I just love it. Right. Um, I also think it makes us nimble. I think we learn a lot. I'm a very um, learn by failing kind of person, which is probably not great. Don't tell my boss that. But I think <laughs> you learn a lot when you produce something and you have your heart and soul into it. And if it doesn't perform, um, you learn very quickly and get very curious as to why that didn't. So that's kind of the writing and editing side. But But content isn't just the creation of it. It's the marketing of it. I always yeah. like to say, like, when people are like, what's content marketing? I'm like, I'm not the brightest person. So I'll say it the way I internalize it, which is very simply, it's the marketing of content. How do we get content out in the world? Yeah. So we have a lot of um, kind of marketing manager roles that are really great at that, really articulating the strategy by which that content is going to make it out into the world and reused to your point of, of this podcast and your business, right? Like if you can measure twice and cut once and really um, understand how to get that content out in the world into so many form factors, um, that's really like the the art and science of the marketing behind it. So they play a pivotal role. So I have experimented with lots of different teams, but I've always felt like if I had great editors, great writers, and really smart content marketing managers, and if you're lucky enough to have social under you, which I do now, it's just been a joy. Um, if you have smart social strategists and marketing managers, like there's pretty much like, what can you not do, right? Yeah. You can do report, you can do blog posts, video. Uh, yeah, really anything. So Yeah, and, that, and that's a really good segue into my next question, actually, because, you know, looking at all the content that you guys create, you from you mentioned social, so you're very active on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. You have um, webinars, case studies, videos. I saw you had a conference, didn't you, in 2022. So what is your overarching content strategy in terms of current priorities for this year? Yeah, that's a great question. So I I wish we had like this very sophisticated, very well thought out content strategy that said we're going to like leverage this type of content on these channels. But I think that that is kind of a little bit of a pipe dream for a lot of companies because I think that every single company I've ever worked for struggles with the same thing, which is like, how do we even get content out the door in a scaled and effective, measurable fashion? So I think that there's so much foundation setting that has to happen, particularly around scale that we're currently really focused on. Because I think once you solve that problem, you know, like what is global first? Who owns what? Are we going to invest in this or this, right? Once you just have the mechanics of it, I think that the strategy kind of bubbles up from that and it start, it, it kind of emerges for you in this really yeah. organic way. So um, that's what I'm focused on. And then I think if people come in very top down and they're like, we're going to do it this way and this way. I have found personally that then they start to get into the actual content creation and they're like, wait, 
we actually don't have a way to translate this into 11 languages that doesn't take 17 weeks. So that lofty content strategy that was like, we're going to be a global publishing powerhouse. Like, Well, actually, we just we need a better CMS first or, you know, like those foundational things. So that's what we're really working for. So I've been an author for less than a year. So it's been a lot of like. Um, working with this great amount of talent that I inherited, making some key hires, and then really figuring out like what is that foundation to build upon. In terms of some of the, the day-to-day and the recurring processes that you guys have as part of the content engine at Okta, is there anything that you've done to try and streamline and, and optimize those more recurring processes that you have in your content wheelhouse? <laughs> Totally, totally. Great question. So I think that most content marketing teams, whether it's a team of one or five, are pretty good at a lot of things like getting a really smart blog post out, really being creative on social. So I, I feel like we have that covered. What I am really focused on in terms of recurring is how do we take bigger content bets and make them something that we can do not twice a year, but 12 times a year. And that is really hard because we just launched um, our ninth annual Businesses at Work, which is uh, a huge survey of um, 17,000 customers, anonymized data aggregated from our platform that shows which apps are most popular. Kind of like who's in, who's out, what's hot, what's not. It's really popular. It takes a tremendous amount of work. I mean, there was probably a core dozen people across digital, um, project management, uh, data research. I mean, those guys were like the, the heart of this effort. And so imagine the organizational focus and sustained attention that it takes to produce that over time. Because end to end, it's going to take you eight months, truly, from the time you're like, okay, it's time to kick this off to publication, which was yesterday, right? So how do we take a process that's eight months end to end and then start to stack it and stagger it in a way that doesn't burn people out? Like, that's what I'm most interested in. How do we put out a business that work report 12 times a year? Yeah. Um, and that's <laughs> what we're going to grow to. And um, when I first talked to my team about that, people were like, like, like how, right? But when you think about the value of that content, so we just launched businesses at work, the latest installment, there were people using our data from last year, like a week ago. So think of the long tail of that content where people are finding value in that content 12 months out of the year. So that is just incredible. Uh, So that's what I want to do. I want us to be um, really a publishing desk for yeah. those data-driven insights, those really big um, reports that that make a, a splash and, and make a difference. Yeah, yeah. the big, big reports, make they just make such a difference, don't they? And they just, um, there's so much that you can get out of them, so much you can do with them. And as you said, like people um, it, it really see you then as a leading authority and will constantly be referring to the reports and things like that. So it makes sense that you want to keep sort of focusing and, and doing more of those reports, given how successful they've obviously been. What are your yeah. thoughts on, like, in, in your content team and in the content production, especially keen from when you said that you've also, you know, you come from a journalistic background and that's the approach that you take with running the content um, function at Okta. AI, yeah. have, you, um, have you guys done much with AI? What are you thinking about? 
chat GPT and all of that, because it's obviously a very hot topic at the moment. And um, I'd love to know what your take is right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. So funnily enough, we are exploring it. Um, there's a couple of tools out there that I think um, people have really used uh, to scale content. Um, I've definitely seen folks who are saying like, hey, I took this ebook and then I used AI to break every chapter down into a summary, or I took a summary and then used it to produce these other pieces of content. Um, I would love to use it actually for A-B testing. I think that's super, super important. So could you take, say, a nurture email um, and say, hey, give me 10 variations on this headline or take this headline and go in a different direction? I think that could be really really an interesting use case for it. Um, we're talking with our legal department because obviously when you work for a publicly traded company, you don't want to just dive in um, and use that. So in terms of just being a good steward of the business, we have to understand all the legal ramifications of it. And your in-house lawyers will be, they'll love that question. They're like, this <laughs> yeah. is why I went to law school, you know? Um, and they're always so fun to collaborate with. So we're doing that. I think we're testing it and just seeing like, hey, what are the use cases? Where do we need help with this? And and since scale is, I think, our number one business problem as content marketers, yeah. I think it's really exciting to look at it in that direction. But I am never worried that it's going to take over for a human editor because so much of our work is just like crazy judgment calls. Um, and really, machine learning is not great at that creative. Hmm, do we need an Oxford comma here? Well, actually, maybe that would be a perfect thing for us. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, a better example might be... Um, does this resonate with with the audience in a particular way? I, I think that's that's where you need to like let the market decide and really have that human intelligence of like, huh, maybe we'll try it this way or maybe we'll try it that way. I, I'm not yeah. worried about it. As a journalist, I mean, everybody said like, oh my God, TikTok or Twitter is going to, you know, take away. We've just seen an explosion of content. Is it completely different? And our newsrooms like suffering? Absolutely. But this fact that people are consuming information has actually just increased yeah. over time so. yeah exactly yeah I agree and, and yeah. I completely agree with you um I don't think like people need to to feel threatened but it's just really good to be aware of what there is and its capabilities and see if it can help enhance what we do but it's not going to replace what we do um but it can be certainly be used to 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 help in certain aspects or maybe just give certain processes a slight like leg up from starting from scratch i guess but no i completely exactly. agree with you exactly yeah. exactly yeah just a super quick break from this conversation to let you know that if you're a b2b technology or professional services company and you want help with streamlining your content operations Outsourcing your content repurposing is the number one way to produce more high quality content and boost your ROI without putting any more pressure on your team. In fact, it could save your team up to 30 hours per week. We offer content repurposing services for video and audio content. Whether you have a show or you're launching a brand new one, maybe you have an archive of awesome content, be it webinars or a virtual event, or you want help creating thought leadership content that we can repurpose, we've got you covered. Head to content10x.com to see how we can help you and start increasing your efficiency and the value you get from your content. 
Now back to the conversation. We talked about this briefly when you were talking about how you've got such a sort of fantastic in-house team and the different skill sets that you have in the team and the importance of, you know, retaining the voice of the business in-house. What aspects of content marketing, if any, do you either now or perhaps in the past at Slack? Because I know it's only been one year at Octa, but what do you look to outsource um, kind of roles or skill sets or expertise do you tend to think is often good for an in-house content team to look to actually work with outsource suppliers for? Mm, that's such a great question. So where I've had really great success with with outside folks um, has been in two ways. One, when we've nailed the form and we're just like super confident, like this is exactly what we want. I think that's a great thing. So let me use a tangible example. Say we have an ebook and uh, every ebook has a chapter and we feel like that chapter can be easily summarized into a blog post. And from a marketing perspective, we want every blog post to be SEO optimized. And then we want that blog post to link to the ebook as kind of the hero asset. And then we want like a social media uh, post to link to, you know, both the ebook, but then we also want to like zero in on those different chapters to give us differentiated social copy, right? So it's not, you're not just telling one story, you're telling 10. Yeah. Once you have that hero asset and it's in the exact brand voice and tone that you want, giving that to an agency and saying like, Every chapter is a blog post. I want 1,500 words or 800 words. I think that's amazing. Like, let yeah. them go forth and do that. Um, another thing is to flip it on its head. Say you have a really ill-formed idea and everyone on your team is really working on said ebook or blog posts or whatever, and you really don't have people who can just kind of peel off and go do that blue sky thinking. I think I've worked with great agencies in the past where it's like, hey, can you tell us um, how to tell a story to this persona that's brand new to us, right? We have some basic information from our product marketers, but we really don't know how to translate this into content. I think there's great agencies out there, they'll come and they'll be like, we did all this great research. We really talked to some practitioners in your field and it, it helps you accelerate to content production really quickly. So I've used that in the past too. Yeah, yeah. like a, a, a creative and strategic external view um, to help you, I guess, formulate the the way forward for the content approach for that particular persona and that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think also, because there is always a gap when you think about it, like if a product marketer comes to you and says, okay, this is kind of like the pain points, um, a bit about this persona, kind of like their buying process. Um, there's still a little more information that you need to get to the content state, right? It's kind of like, well, how do they like to consume their content? Who are their peers? Do they spend more time on social? If yes, what types of social uh, platforms do they work on? So, because you're not going to market to a CMO the same way you're going to market to, say, a CFO. They're going to yeah. be, their watering holes are going to be in different places, the voices tone is going to be slightly different, how you approach them. All those things are kind of like this little area of opportunity between, say, a product positioning message or a persona message and then the actual content output. Yeah. So I think it could be really helpful there. Um, one other example really quickly is um, that I was thinking about is when we partner with our digital teams, because obviously our content has to live somewhere. So it's typically on your main.com. Um, Though I I have loved any engagement with a digital team where we've had an agency just do that really scaled analysis of like the whole website, you know, because that's the stuff that you can't do in the day to day. 
um, yeah. that can be really helpful. Like, how do we redesign the website? What what groups of content are performing versus others? Because we're not the only people putting content on that website, right? It's probably yeah. like a huge collection of people. So that's helpful yeah. too. What about um, paid social? So um, do you guys do much with paid social? And is that something that you have the in-house expertise for? Great question. So that does not live on my team, but okay. there's social... Yeah. Yeah, but there's huge opportunities for collaboration, right? Because I think we learn a lot from, um, this goes back to my SEO date. So back when I was in kind of like very SEO driven um, B2C world, like FinTech in particular, uh, those paid teams knew a lot about what content resonated and the money really talked. So I thought like, really in our own peril, we were not talking to them and really asking them like, what is, what is the most high converting paid keyword, right? Yeah. Like uh, content teams have to know that information. So I would love to explore a deeper relationship with our paid team um, and really learn what they know. And then I think on that paid team, they've been like super open to working with our or more organic strategists but like, how do we up-level the creative? What about this copy? Because um, they're going through like 10 versions of an ad. Like they got to crank that yeah. stuff out. So they don't spend a lot of time on like holistic best practices of like what's um, performing on that platform at large organically. So I think it's just this great symbiotic relationship. And I think we should all talk more and learn yeah. from each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I do as well. It, it is a good relationship, but it is all about that communication, isn't it? And and timely communication as well. So totally. Yeah. <laughs> isn't everything? <laughs> well, yeah, everything is. Yeah. <laughs> everything comes down to that, really. <laughs> and yeah. Let's talk about your best content marketing initiative. Now I know best is is a is a strong word. Let's say just a, a very memorable. Um, content marketing initiative and something that you're really proud of, I guess. What comes to mind when um, when you think about something that was a campaign that you are just, you know, really, really proud of and you always remember? Oh, gosh, there's, uh, there's a lot to choose from. I I'm going to talk about uh, content where I almost did not have a hand in it. So what makes me so proud, and I love this, is when somebody comes to me and they're like, that video that your team put out was like incredible. And I'm like, what video? I did not see this. <laughs> like, you know, and then I'm like, my team went out and felt empowered and armed with the right tools, the right everything to literally create content, launch it in the world. And I did not have to micromanage like every step of that process. Like that filled me with like, extreme yeah. pride uh because i just feel like i've made the right hire I, we've got the right training the right motivation the right like awesome yeah. right now if you don't have the right people or the right process or the right you know training and motivation obviously things can go terribly wrong but i'm most proud when um i've had nothing to do with the consciousness <laughs> yeah it probably doesn't say much for my uh um, you know I just hire great people. Like that's my, that's what I think my role is. Yeah. yeah I think it, what that says is, is like you said, it shows great leadership um, that the team are empowered, um, motivated and skilled to go out and do something awesome without your micromanaging. So I think it does actually say an awful lot if, if something wonderful is created 
um, about the team, about your leadership as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, re- I really love that. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned when you provided the number of, was it 200 and... 12 and you you said that you know that number specifically does that come from the the research report that you were talking about yes. just before yeah. the, the eight month research paper yeah so yeah absolutely so it's called business does it work yeah. um and it's our ninth annual and it's just a treasure trove of information i think like the key headline for us uh was that in a time of great economic uncertainty Certain apps were growing like weeds, like gangbusters. These apps were taking off. So I think like anytime from a content marketing perspective, you can have a counterintuitive headline or like, hey, uh, you may think that this is going on, but underneath there's like this other stuff. And then to have it like in a data-backed format and then a data-backed format that's proprietary data. I mean, like... Nobody can have it like they will have data like it. They might be able to do the exact same activation of like report, social video, like by all means, copy away, but they're not going to have this exact data. So when you have those content franchises, I call them content moats, like dig in, like make that be your like big thing. Um, So we're trying to figure out now what's the other data that we have? What's that next report that we can do? How do we get into less about the data of like a, a a great app story that's a little bit more for the general population? How do we get into a data story that helps our customers make better decisions or that helps us gain transparency uh, for the whole industry? To your point about being like an industry leader, how do we help the industry move forward? So that's what we're trying to focus on now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that there's so much to be said for big, meaty independent proprietary research reports we've found that certainly recently I've had quite a few you know kind of calls with people interested in working with us who've come to us not to say that they want to launch a podcast or they want us to repurpose a virtual event or a webinar or something but actually they're saying we have this you know big research like what can you do with it and we'll go away and we'll come back and say we see six infographics we see 100 tweets we see 50 quote graphics you know like there's so much content that comes from it as well and it it brings me to um just like remembering but like so jay bear who i'm sure many people are familiar with a content customer experience um expert and just very well known digital marketing world and jay is someone we've worked with for years and he will start with research and so when he he has a best-selling book called Talk Triggers. And that all started with a big piece of research. And then that research became his keynote. So his fantastic keynote delivered in stages all over the world is him sharing really interesting insights from the research. But it also became a best-selling book. It also became a podcast series. It also became a video series. It also became Endless Social. You know, it just goes on. But it it, it was such fantastic content because he was sharing things that, you know, only he had derived with his team through independent proprietary research. And I think that was so um, pivotal in terms of what they were doing. So I, I love uh, I love what you said about that and the fact that you're going to be doing more of that. <laughs> um, yeah. Let, let's flip. So um, could you tell me a cautionary content marketing tale or funny story about, about something that, that maybe didn't go to plan? <laughs> oh, I feel like... 
Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about that. Um, I wrote, what did I write down? I was thinking because I feel like I fail like five times a day. Um, yes. Okay. So basically we're all learning. So here's the number one. Okay. Uh, when I have failed, which is multiple times a day, a common theme is recency bias. And I think that we all have to be really careful of that because especially in tech, especially in a corporate world, people are just trying to figure out like, what is the plan, right? Like we have our corporate goals and you have your department goals and you have your team goals. And by the time it filters down to you, you're just like, what are we like? Does somebody know the plan? And then I'm like, actually, Katie, you're supposed to know the plan, right? So um, really trying not to get into the mode where every time I come out of another meeting, I'm telling my team something else, right? And that takes a lot of discipline. And I constantly have to tell myself, like, do not react to the last meeting that you are in, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's something that's very easy to fail at. I think the other thing to fail at is... Um, not trusting your gut, you know, I, I think that's really something that trips us up all the time. We are all content consumers. We all have a level of intuition and common sense about what really makes an incredible story or an incredible content experience. And I think that especially sometimes for women whose um, intuition and experience might be slightly undervalued. Um, not at Okta. I've been very lucky to work in a lot of wonderful places where I think I've had a lot of great female leaders to look up to and be mentored by. Um, but I think that we can all go into meetings and and people are like, well, where's your data? Like, what's this? And of course, we all have to be um, rooted in facts. Um, but the beauty of content marketing, and I think the spark and the energy of it comes from just saying like, I, I actually think this will resonate. I want to try this and having the courage of your convictions and really moving forward. And in the end, the market always decides, right? Like content flops. There's only a limited number of reasons why. Like, is it the content itself or was it your distribution model? Like, yeah. just focus on those two areas. Like, is it is it something wrong with how you produced it or the kind of story that you were telling? Was it too long? Was it too short? Was it in a weird format for that medium? Or was it like how it got out into the world? Um, yeah. So that's what I think about every day. Oh, also one other thing is to be the number one advocate in your, your company for the power of awareness marketing. It is very easy. And when people are like, how many leads did you get from this? You have to stand up and say, we did not produce this to get leads. Yeah. That's not the conversation that we're having. I think that's really hard. And that makes me very nervous and probably doesn't make me like the most popular person in the room. But I really feel strongly that we are here to refill the top of the funnel and to make that as robust as possible. And if people are clicking on your content and they're engaging with your content, like job well done. Yeah. Job well done. Because you will never get leads if nobody is ever clicking, ever engaging, right? Like you have to start somewhere. And that engagement is powerful and actually really hard to get. It should be celebrated. And I think the content leaders who might be listening to your podcast should we should all band together and just be like, awareness is good. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that. And it is just, it is something that is an education piece to internal stakeholders often, isn't it? To, to really explain that. But no, I completely agree with you. Such great advice there. So thank you. <laughs> um, 
we're going to have some quick fire questions to, to finish off this fantastic conversation. Um, okay. So um, what is one takeaway tip that you would give to other content marketers who just really want to optimize their content output? Just do it. Just create it. See what happens. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Go with the gut, like you said. Um, what is a typically to you either overlooked or undervalued tool that you'd recommend content marketers like yourself um, should be using or, or at least take a look at? Your people, 100%. Hire the very best people. Tools are always going to change. They're always going to change. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's all about the people. Um, and it, it, here's, here's a good one. So if you could create any kind of content in your role now at Okta um, and you've just got this unlimited budget so you can really just sky's the limit um, maybe you want, you know, a, an ad at the uh, Super Bowl or a, a billboard in Times Square, you name it. Um, what do you think you would immediately go, right, <laughs> this is what I want to do? Yes. So I love this question. Uh, my tastes, I'm going to be a little personal here. My tastes are either like, I would say maybe a l very lowbrow or... Uh, in the complete opposite direction. But, uh, but you know, I think we should all be proud of our taste and what we consume. Uh, so I actually love reality TV. I watch it all. Um, I find drama in corporate America. I really do. And not like the office level drama, uh, though I, every place has, has those kind of frustrating, like, let's circle back, put a pin in it, kind <laughs> yeah. of like corporate speak. But I actually think there's like real human drama. And I always thought like there's certain teams that have naturally dramatic arcs to their work that I would love a rea uh, some company to attend a really good reality show. Like, for example, we put on a great conference every year. It's called Octane and it's really incredible. And events people like salespeople are people people. They're really great at their jobs. They're extremely detail oriented. And they have this like moment in time that they're trying to do the impossible. And it's always very dramatic. And I think they always like, they always win. They always nail it. They always just do it against all odds. And what's a better story than that? So I would say, yeah. um, uh, reality, narrative, theory-wise storytelling behind the scenes of your company. I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, as a yeah. as a person who was a fan of the of the show with the Office UK and US version as well, I like, right. like no, I, I love that. That's that. I really think that's a great a great answer. So thank you for that. Um. So so finally, so on on B two B content strategists, we love speaking with real true leaders in the B two B marketing tech world like yourself um who do you think we should invite so who, who stands out to you as a real you know leader in the b2b marketing space particularly maybe in sort of the, the tech area that we work in oh gosh this is a great question i actually just had a really great b2b um example so it's okay if you want to say b2c i don't mind <laughs> Um, well, you know, I want to keep to the audience. I want to keep to the audience. Um, honestly, you know, let me be super basic and say like Salesforce really yeah. just understands marketing. And I have the pleasure of working with like a ton of Salesforce alumni. I too worked for Salesforce after their acquisition of Slack and learned a ton. So I think that's always a great place to go. I would say 
And sorry to, to just go into my background, but I think that Slack really, from a B2B perspective, does great marketing because it does not feel like B2B marketing. And I think that we should make sure that we are talking to humans, even in the B2B space. And any company that takes risks and doesn't sound like corporate speak and are talking to actual humans, I think Octa does a good job of that too. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think Slack was a real was a real model for me. I learned so much there. It's one of the really just lucky to do that. Um, I would also say that. Um, well, let me mention the B two C one because I think it's really example. It's a bad yeah. company called Baboon to the Moon if I have it correctly. <laughs> and they are so out there with their social media marketing. It's, it would be terrifying to any CEO, like absolutely terrifying. Like you could actually never sell this approach in B2B. So it's kind of like not that relevant, but their social media manager like roasts their customers and commenters. And she does it in a way that is actually really community building and caring. Like you feel like you're on the inside of a joke. And it's the most engaging content. And by the time I had watched like three TikToks, it's like, I think I need, I need a new bag. I re- like, I was trying to create <laughs> the conditions by which I could um, buy their, I don't need, I actually truly do not need a bag. Uh, so kudos to that company. Um, and really to break it down from a content strategy point of view, it was authentic voice, kind of uh, not common or not a- Expected. And um, they were just really good at it. Like you could just tell that, that it was very thoughtful. Um, yeah. And they weren't just doing that to like chase the trend or, you know, because you imagine telling a team, hey, go roast your customers. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that could end like super badly. So I just love the fact that they kind of, they nailed it. They nailed that voice. I think voice is going to just be increasingly important. Yeah. yeah. I, like you said, like you, you take a learning from everything, don't you? There's something that you can learn from, even though you wouldn't necessarily do the same thing. But what was it that made it stand out to you and and what could you learn from it? So that's awesome. I will hunt that down and I will share um, links to all of that in the show notes for this episode. So everybody who's listening now can can go ahead to our show notes and click on links to everything we just mentioned. And, and on that, actually, Katie, so thank you so much for coming on. And where would you like people to go to to connect with you? Oh, thank you. This has been such a great conversation. Um, I really appreciate the offer to come on here. Super uh, awesome. Great start to my day. Um, They can find me on LinkedIn, of course, please. I will accept your invites. Uh, Katie Ryan O'Connor. I know, very Irish name. (laughs) Um, So you can find me uh, there. And um, I try to uh, not be on a ton of public social media. So that's the only place you're going to find me. Brilliant. Okay. And we'll, I'll make sure to link to uh, your LinkedIn. So um, thank you so much, Katie. Oh, thank you, Amy. It was really great. I learned a ton. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of B2B Content Strategist. Do let me know what you thought of our conversation by getting in touch with me on social media. You'll find Content 10X on all the social platforms or search for Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X on LinkedIn. To find out more about streamlining your content marketing processes and specifically about content repurposing, check out our website, content10x.com, where you'll find information 
and resources that will help you achieve more with your content more efficiently. And if you're looking for a partner to outsource your content repurposing and distribution to, get in touch as we offer a world-class, fully end-to-end, done-for-you content repurposing service. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I'll catch you in the next one.